Welcome to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Daniel. And we're moving on to a new book this week. We've got The Crimson Queen by Alec Hudson is what we're going to be talking about for this episode and in theory the next two episodes. No, not in theory, actually. We're going to be talking about it the next two episodes. I don't want to box us into only two episodes. Okay, yeah, that's fair. (laughs) It's going to be two episodes. I don't know why I'm doing this. Uh, (laughs) But, so, I wanted to say, this book, I think, well, I think there's a paperback version of it, but it's it's only sold through Amazon or something like that, Mm -hmm. and so I got it on my Kindle, Whereas I usually read books, like physical copies of books. And I I think most people are very passionate about which ones they prefer. I am the exact opposite because I'm a big fan of both. <laughs> and I, I keep going back and forth. Like I have a few months where I'm like, oh, I should just be reading everything on Kindle. It's way more convenient. And then I'll switch back a couple months later and be like, yeah, but I want to keep the books and like have them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny, Luke, because we actually agree, but for the opposite reason. Uh, I think so. I don't know if it still is this like this is still the case, but for a long time there was a debate about which was better. And I don't care, but because I'm not passionate about either one, like it's fine. I, I read Kindle pretty much all the time because it's super convenient, but I also go to used bookstores and find books that way because I can find books that I wouldn't have been just like searching for on Amazon. It's much more, I don't know. It's much more fun to find books that way, but I don't, like, I don't care that I have a physical book in my hands. That's not, that's not that important to me. And I also don't care that it's super convenient on Amazon. Like I'm not that passionate either way. And so I'm I'm in the middle for that reason. Here's the thing for me. I think I prefer reading on a Kindle, which I think is probably pretty common. But, and I don't really, I don't care about reading a book and having it in my hand. Like, I think a lot of people are like, yeah, there's nothing that can compare to having an actual book and turning pages. That's not the reason that I think physical copies are cool. Mm-hmm. I think physical copies are cool because they look cool on my bookshelf. <laughs> So you're you're in it for the cred is what you're saying. Yeah. Oh yeah. And honestly most of my like wall decor in my apartment is book related or no not book related is just books. So if we're being real for a second Luke, I I also have those books as my wall decor, but those are the books I've never read. Those are the <laughs> books that are like, "Hey, I'm really smart. Check these out." Oh, you have like the the smart person books right not that's fantasy exactly books right. on your walls yeah i put those okay. up for the cred uh, okay i don't own any of those books if i'm honest yeah they're basically all stuff i had to buy for college and then it was not worth it to sell it back, so I just <laughs> you've got it. like your physical chemistry textbook okay no hanging up <laughs> but like the odyssey oh it makes you look so smart to have that up there i will say sometimes i'll go to like barnes and noble and look at their like collectible editions and they can get me sometimes i'm not gonna lie i bought oh a my god I, I think i actually talked about this in one of our first episodes i i bought a super cool version of the wheel of time for like 30 bucks had never read it yet <laughs> But it looks awesome. <laughs> One day we're probably going to do that on this podcast. Yeah, so we, I'm going to say it was a good investment. We definitely will. I'm sure it looks very cool, Luke. Very cool. Um, and I'm sure everybody who comes over comments on it and says, wow, neat book. <laughs> yeah. There, I have a lot of people over. It's, it's cool. <laughs> um, but... Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and start talking about the book. Yeah, okay. So, oh, before Happy Thanksgiving, Luke. It's I mean, it's not Thanksgiving today, but right when right. when this comes out. Oh, this will come out on Thanksgiving. This is like on Thanksgiving, yeah. So, all of our dedicated listeners, uh, 
all of our listeners that listen the day that this releases. Yeah, I hope you had a great, uh, if, if you're in the U.S. and you celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope you had a great one, you know? Yeah. Let this episode yeah. lull you into the 4 p.m. nap that everybody takes on Thanksgiving, which is so good. It's so right. Oh, love that nap. I'm thinking oh, of everybody now. does. Mm. <laughs> all right, let's reel you back in. Okay. Because our podcast is more of a uh, amped up podcast than a nap podcast. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's true. But so <laughs> so we've read, I think, the first 12 chapters of Crimson, Crimson Queen. Yeah, that's right. We've read through 12. Right. So if <laughs> if you haven't read there yet, again, just just read it. Just read it and then come and listen. I don't know why this is so hard for you guys. Just read, read through where we said to read through. It's that's the last (laughs) I'm going to say about it. Okay. (laughs) So first, the thing that I want to say is the books we've read recently, at least the fantasy books that we've read recently, have been the last one was Name of the Wind, the last. We read a sci-fi book in between, but then we read, I think, Game of Thrones before that. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I think this book is much different in terms of, it seems to be very high fantasy, I would say. Mm. And I am on board because, like I said in our last episode of The Name of the Wind, I'm more of a person that is super into like magic and that kind of thing so in things like the name of the wind or king killer in general and then game of thrones where there's very little magic at least so far there's often times or okay no i think it's it's the name of the wind that says things like this where they'll be like in a in a fantasy story something crazy would happen but this isn't one of those stories because they're they're trying to be different or something you know the meme that's now okay well it's just a movie quote uh the from dazed and confused with matthew mcconaughey <laughs> and this but, is what i always think of but it'd be cool when they if say you did. yeah the, when they say this isn't one of those books my response is always be a lot cooler if you were <laughs> yeah i as i was reading this i had this exact thought where i was like luke loves this book right now because it is so high fantasy the most of the yeah, books yeah. That we've read are pretty close to reality like there's only little tinges like little hints of fantasy that kind of get drawn into it and it tries to bring it down to reality really quickly like the dragon in the name of the wind they bring it back down to reality pretty quickly and like they give a kind of scientific explanation for why it breathes fire and that it's not really a dragon um but this book they don't they don't give a fuck Alec is like, yeah, you want battle lions? Yeah, we've got battle lions. They ride lions into <laughs> into combat. Fuck yeah. Yeah, any awesome like battle thing that you can imagine is already talked about in this book, and I'm a fan. Oh, you want dragons? Yeah, there are dragons. We haven't gotten there yet, but there are dragons definitely flying around. Yeah, there's dragons, wyverns, all those kind of things. Uh, <laughs> there's there's battle lizards, I think, that are mentioned. Yep, yep. There's a bunch of people with just fire eyes. They walk around with fire eyes everywhere and are dope warriors. There's there's deep ones. There are gods that are giant ancient creatures that can murder everyone. And they're just slumbering and waiting for their time. Yeah, this is definitely high fantasy. It's yeah, yeah. Good. So I I know I'm a big fan of it. Are you a big are you a high fantasy kind of person? I I think I, I prefer more the name of the wind kind of stuff because i definitely like it when it's closer to reality and the fantasy is a lot less like in your face it's a lot less it's it's more similar to our reality in terms of like what i would choose to read but this is like a great escapist kind of novel like because it's so high fantasy it's great to just like dive into this world and be like this is dope this is very cool which is actually why i think you'd love D, luke <laughs> Oh, here we go. Uh, just very briefly, the the scene when they go into that um, that temple with all the spiders is a D and D dungeon, like straight up and down, and it was so cool. And I was like, this would make a great 
D&D dungeon. I've never played D&D, as, as mentioned in previous episodes. Uh, so, I mean, what, what makes it such a D&D? Well, I, because the, for D&D, I think what makes it super cool is that it is high fantasy. Like, D&D is all about those cool animals that you can, like, fight or tame uh, or dungeons that have like magical incantations or big armies that you have to fight or like goblins or orcs and leveling up and learning cool magic and having cool battles. And that to me reminds me a lot of what you said about what you like about certain fantasy books is all the things that makes D and D super cool. Cause it's just, it's like pure escapist, like do a high fantasy, but like you get to, you get to do it. And they even are using a lot of, I know they're not D&D terms, but, like, they refer to the pure as paladins a lot, and they basically act like a D&D paladin typically would, and, like, wizards are very similar, too. It's, like, I'm getting a lot of D&D vibes from this book so far. Sure. Sure. I will say, also, this... Well, okay, so I think it's it's very... This book is very aligned with kind of classical fantasy, I guess, well, I don't know about classical fantasy, but just like fantasy that I would think of as, I don't know, not right now. Because right now, grim, gritty kind of stuff is popular. Like the name of the wind is like a similar style to what's popular right now. Is that what you mean? Like a lot the more The name of the realistic? wind may be a lot realistic, but yeah. I was thinking more like Game of Thrones. Uh, like I think grimdark is the term. Oh, I've, I've not heard of this. This is, uh, I don't think, I don't know if you've read it, but like Joe Abercrombie, uh, Game of Thrones are all super popular. And I think just Grimdark is very popular right now. Mm -hmm. And I don't think this is that, which, I mean, I like a good Grimdark story, but I'm not, I'm not upset about it not being that. (laughs) Yeah. Because, well, okay, we'll see. We'll see. I don't, it doesn't give me those kind of vibes, but we'll see. Yeah. We're still like pretty, honestly we've barely finished like exposition in this and there's still exposition coming as we're going through. Like there was exposition in chapter 10 when it was explaining, or maybe it was 12 when they were just like explaining more about the world and you're, we're still learning about how this world works. We have not learned everything yet to get a good picture of everything. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Cause game of Thrones also starts and it doesn't seem like it's going to be, grimdark and then something happens and it's like oh no (laughs) that's true this although i will say pretty early there's that village that has some kind of messed up things that happen yeah like the villagers (laughs) murder his mother because she was uh different i guess Uh, that's it that's literally it dude this village sucks. Yeah, this is... You want to know what I wrote down? <laughs> I wrote down, this village needs a culture change <laughs> because it just seems like a hostile environment, a hostile work environment. And I don't know. I think a good... <laughs> I'm picturing this as like a job environment. And I just think it needs it needs some kind of HR department to come in. <laughs> To have like a couple trainings, like a big seminar, like, all right, everybody, we're going to learn how to not be an alcoholic. Literally everyone in the town. Everyone beats their kids. Well, that was the, yeah, that's separate. But yes, also the second seminar is titled how to not beat your children. Because they mention it so offhand where he's like, oh, his father probably beats him too. It's like, "Mm, what? Well, and, and the kid that, that I guess tries to bully him. He's, he's upset like reasonably because i guess his everyone's not doing well fishing except for keelan i think is his name keelan's family keelan yeah let's go with keelan and the kid says you're not the kind the one we're the ones that the our parents come back and beat us it's like everyone right that's what i was my thought all of you hold on we have a problem here yeah so as i'm that's what i'm saying needs a culture change because you know even without increased fishing capabilities 
I, you could still make a better life out of this just with just with a little culture change, you guys. Let's put a positive spin on this, everybody. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you think that the like followers of Amon would do that? Who would lead this seminar about this culture change is what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, that's a good question. I I haven't gotten a good sense of exactly the... Well, I think this is in... Is this in this, like... I think it's called the Shattered Kingdoms or something like that, where... It's hard to where, tell. Right, it's kind of hard to tell where this takes place. It sounds like it's in the Empire, like the Empire of... Uh, Minicar, I think. Oh, Minicar, yep. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't seem like there's much of a, I don't know, government presence in this area. Granted, it's a tiny village, but... I mean, but there is the presence of the like the priests that show up every now and then. Right. And they seem to have some authority. Right. But they just come around telling stories, it seems like. Well, they also, I mean, the religion also sounds like it kind of sucks. Not to be like, but the Ammon, I think, is what it's called. Ama, A-M-A. Ama. It kind of sucks. It's not that, so far, it's not that great. Like, their only thing is just the sorcery is bad. Oh, yeah, they're just anti-sorcery. Yeah, that seems like the right. only... And anyone who's pure can't have sex. Oh, I didn't get that indication. Yeah, because when Jan is talking to the bard, these are two of the immortal characters, she says... Jan is... Oh, Jan is the bard. Oh, wait, which... What's the... Who's He's the talking woman? to Aliana. Aliana, yeah. When Jan's talking to Aliana, she says that she got them... She, like, seduced them to break their vows with her which i'm assuming is like you know right uh and so it sounds like the pure can't do that with anybody so it sounds like the pure have some pretty strict rules the emperor definitely doesn't the emperor just gets to do whatever the fuck he wants but the pure it sounds like have some pretty strict rules otherwise it sounds like just we hate sorcerers (laughs) and that's it so they're basically the opposition party that gotten power and their whole platform is we hate the sorcerers that's it that's all we do everyone's like yeah but what about taxes they're like no we don't give a shit just no sorcery how hard is this for you to understand uh let me i want to talk more about that but before we move on past the village i want to talk about keelan's little his his I don't know, sorcery or something that he goes down into the ocean mm-hmm. and he touches a deep one, right? Yeah. yeah. We what we we thinking uh we thinking a little Godzilla action right here? Oh my god, I hadn't even thought about Godzilla, Luke. What if this book just turned into Godzilla fan fiction? <laughs> That's I hope it does. I hope it does. <laughs> That's incredible because, yeah, we have they've already established that there are these giant monsters that are sleeping. And so we're just waiting for something to wake them all up so they can fight each other. (laughs) I would not be upset about that at all. If suddenly the main character wasn't Keelan and it was the deep one and the white. Well, well, I'm I'm picturing Keelan playing more of a I'm actually going to go. I'm going to go Transformers here. Uh, Keelan plays more of a shia labeouf role where he's just Uh, part of it but you're mainly there for the the action of the giant guys fighting each other this is incredible (laughs) which would play great in a movie i don't know if i want that in a book if i'm honest yeah yeah i'm with you there uh (laughs) so so alec i doubt you're going that route but I don't think either of us would be mad if you did. Yeah, totally fine. Totally fine. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see if Godzilla pops up. I'd love it. But (laughs) so moving on to the religion that you mentioned, Mm -hmm. I guess I think we might learn more about it before this. But the first main thing we get is when that, I guess, preacher, I think they call it a mendicant. Yeah. Comes into his village. 
and basically tells, uh, I think he tells one story or two about the pure. Mm-hmm. And Dan, I've said this before. You didn't, you didn't like it, but I'm going to say it again. Uh-oh. Storytelling has a place in our society. <laughs> okay. I think, I think it could be cool. Like here. Okay. I, yeah. Give me an example. Picture this. You're uh, hanging out with some friends, and they're like, "Hey, it's a Friday night. The uh, the the coffee shop down, like a couple blocks downtown, on Friday nights has storytelling night, and this is like they've got X person coming today who is renowned for storytelling." And, like, you're going to have an hour of sitting in this, like, cozy coffee shop, listening to this dude who, I don't know, makes up and tells stories for, I don't know if he does it for a living, but is famous for making up and telling stories. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I think for some people, but for a lot of people, they say, yeah, I'm going to go see Transformers 7. (laughs) Because I can watch two robots beat the shit out of each other for two hours. I, or I don't know, Dan. I think I think we're moving away from that. I think we're moving towards storytelling. I mean, I think we are too. Generally, like I think there is a a pretty large minority of our population that is moving that direction towards more like analog experiences. I don't really like saying that, but yeah, I'll, I'll call it analog experiences. Sure, but like. Movies are kind of like storytelling, just not one dude standing in front of a microphone being like, all right, guys, so this one time, me and my dog were out at the park. I, it, okay, it wouldn't be that kind of story. But it, like, would be like the kind, it would be like the kind of story that the mendicant tells. <laughs> so he'd just be telling a fantasy story. <laughs> yes. Right, one time, this little hobbit named Frodo and his buddy named Sam... They got a ring, right? Because here's the thing, Luke. Here's why I think. Here's why I think, the stories in these books you've been reading are biasing you, is because the people in these stories, okay, the people in these books we're reading live in the world where the stories are, pretty close to being real, right? So it doesn't take very much to tell a dope story in these books we're reading. Because there's lions that people ride into battle already. Like, we're almost there already. But in the real world, it would be like, yeah, one time I I cussed out this guy because he didn't pick up after his dog. And and then I won, and he picked up after his dog. So, checkmate. (laughs) Okay, valid point. But, okay, I see what you're saying. I think I'm picturing these stories not being any way in any way related to our world, which I see what you mean that it would detract in a certain way because we wouldn't be able to relate to them. But I think it'd be cool. <laughs> That's my point. Uh, I think here we go. If if I open up this coffee shop that has storytelling night, three days after I open it, there's going to be a post on Reddit about. Yeah this super cool coffee shop opened up that does this 19 days later it's on buzzfeed do two days later it's on buzzfeed i don't i don't yeah i don't know how how long it takes but point is i'm rolling in the dough if i'm opening up this coffee shop that does this or at least the attention i'm rolling the the attention attention. you've got the fake internet points on your side right (laughs) uh i mean i don't okay I should state this. I don't disagree with you. I think it'd be dope. Uh, because I actually... I grew up doing Boy Scouts. And when you're camping, this is how the adults would try and entertain the kids. was with stories around the campfire. Most of the time it didn't work. But I think it didn't work because a lot of the stories they told were bad. And right. the adults are just like... Steve, who works in accounting, who just like needs to come up with something or these kids are going to run screaming and fighting through the forest. 
And so he needs to figure out something to get these kids under control. And so he just makes up some shit. Right. So if you get a more organized process, people that actually want to do it, like I'm picturing, you know how they have, I don't know if you're where you live has like a comedy club or something. Probably. Yeah. But there's often where I live, there's, there's a comedy club and people like a lot of people do comedy and work pretty hard on it. I can see, I can see some people working pretty hard on their storytelling and it being awesome. Okay. Luke, I'm becoming, the more you talk about this, the more I'm on board with it. I was already like pretty on board with it, but like now I'm, I'm, I'm considering opening up a coffee shop here. Right. Right. You'd put in a little wood stove. Luke, this is getting very millennial, but I'm loving it. (laughs) I'm loving it so much. (laughs) This is dope. Yeah. See, I've convinced you. Okay. Yeah. I'm, (laughs) I'm totally on board now. So, okay, when our podcast fails, we'll open up this coffee shop. We'll make so much money on storytelling, on hosting storytellers. Great. I think, yeah, I think it's a good idea. But, okay, let's move on. Did you want to talk about the village more? Because I have some some other things. No, we can move on. That's all I have on the village so far. Okay. There is, we don't have to talk about this very much. The emperor gets a big old cut on his hand when that heron flies through and then goes to one of his concubines and she licks it. (laughs) I didn't notice this when I read it, honestly. So they try and slip it past you because they say it's a scar. It's been like maybe four hours since it happened. That's not a scar unless... There's some magic that they're used to seal it up and make it like much quicker to heal. But you don't hear anything about that. So I'm assuming it's just a gash in his hand. And the what, Elena, I think is her name. Alin, what is her Aliana? Name? Aliana. I'm, I'm pronouncing Aliana it. sounds right to me. Aliana like sensually licks it. And my, my thought was just that's not sanitary or and it probably <laughs> doesn't feel good at all. Yeah, I just they it's written as like it's seductive, but it's not. It's yes, that's not what you want to do. Maybe maybe to you. Okay, you know what? You know, that's a great point, Luke. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm just saying you weren't there. You don't know what it was like. <laughs> Fair, I'll concede that. I'll concede that point. <laughs> like I said, we don't have to talk about this very much. I just thought it was, it was an odd thing to do. Well, I think there's a lot of things like that in books that so that I kind of slip past. I think that I'm not well, this is I definitely know. I'm not a very close reader <laughs> where <laughs> a lot of times I kind of just skip over the things that aren't that important. <laughs> like for example, do you remember when we were doing Game of Thrones <laughs> and you were the one that caught that Tywin Lannister is bald with uh, mutton chops i think oh i remember luke so well just props for you for for reading super closely because i don't do it and i'm I, apparently i'm missing out on a lot i mean it doesn't change the story really i mean tywin lannister with huge bushy gold mutton chops does change that story for me a lot but aside from that it doesn't really affect the story a whole lot it's just kind of silly well, it's just a little character building, you know. That's you know that's very true. For in in this circumstance, because now we know the emperor's is into you know, that. We know his kinks. One one of them at least. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about again, just briefly, high fantasy titles of people are phenomenal. And the one that really stuck out at me, I don't remember when this is brought up because I just wrote down the quote or the name and it's, I think it's like a council or something or a council of people that rule some, maybe some ancient sorcery empire. And they're called the thorned flail of the seven or no, I think if you're one of them, you hold one of the thorned flails of the seven. I mean, it sounds like an evil thing, but where do I sign up? But it also sounds so dope. 
yeah, I want a thorn flail of of the seven. <laughs> like the branding in high fantasy is so on point. If you were a peasant and you heard that, you'd be like, damn, I want to be a part of that. Yeah, yeah. The, I don't know, the, I don't want to say propaganda because I don't think it's propaganda. The marketing department yes. of like high fantasy empires or kings is just always so good. It's incredible. It's it's incredible. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you 100% on that, Luke. Uh, none of yeah. them stuck out too much to me. I do think in high fantasy, they have very creative uses of apostrophes. Like in names? Like in names, especially, um, which I think is always fun. Um, but yeah, the way the way that they name things in high fantasy is so much cooler than... Honestly, than real life. Why don't we name things like that? See, I think we're too far gone. Oh, no. Because if you see that in our real life, you're going to make fun of it. But had we started off doing that kind of thing? So I think we missed our opportunity, which is a shame. We can't bring it back? Come on. I mean, we can. All right, we're going to bring it back. We'll have to come up with a new name for our podcast, I think. Then don't call it a book club, the greatest name of all time. I don't, we'll come up I don't with think something. that's possible. We'll come up with something epic and high fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Or we'll call ourselves like of the council of something that is epic and high fantasy. We'll we'll workshop it. In our uh in our little intro when we say our names. Maybe we can come up with different titles. Put some spice into it. Yeah. So next episode you'll be hearing us introduce our titles. That'll be great. I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. So let's talk about how sorcery works. Um, Real quick, the pure will like murder you if you're a sorcerer, right? Yeah. Um, Jan basically talks to his dog and that by itself, I'm going to say is worth it. (laughs) Like the, the risk of the pure killing you is worth it if you can talk to your dog like dog sorcery is worth being murdered murdered by the pure 100 percent. if that's even if that's the only thing that sorcerers could do if you could only kind of have this mental link with your dog and that was it uh yeah i'll take that <laughs> i agree with you 100 percent on this like, <laughs> are you kidding me I think there's a lot of opportunities missed, which I think this is typical of fantasy where there's a lot of opportunities missed with like super advanced or magical things like sorcery can be used for so many cool things other than world domination. Like just hanging out with some dogs making, I don't know, make (laughs) this is going to be, why did I come up with this idea? You know, you know, fireworks, first off. Oh, God, I'm loving this. Keep going. Just make like a dope display of birds flying in cool formations. Like fireworks. Great use of sorcery, I'm going to oh, say. That's incredible. That's so creative. That's so imaginative. Yeah, why does it all have to be fighting? I'm assuming we're just not seeing all of that stuff. But like, like it's just not... I can it's just un- not brought up in the story. I can understand how in this world it might not be because it sounds like sorcerers are fairly rare in this world. Like you have to be born with the innate gift and then be powerful enough to access the void. But in a lot of stories where sorcery is just you have to know the spell name or you have to carve out the right symbol in the air, then oh, there would be so many cool. Your whole day would just be full of these magical, wondrous events happening left and right. Uh, that'd be incredible luke you're right we need you know what we need sorcery in our world luke that's what i'm gonna say for sure and this might be a way too off topic but if sorcery is real and there's like schools for sorcery i feel like schools in fantasy worlds for sorcery or magic the students are always very similar to schools here where they complain about homework and that kind of thing uh no. <laughs> if I'm learning about sorcery, there's no way I'm complaining about it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to take us a little bit further off topic. We'll get back in a second. This was always my complaint with Harry Potter. This is exactly what, that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. Because in Harry Potter, there is real school that Harry probably went to for a little while. And 
he goes from that to casting spells and brewing potions and he decides he should complain about it are you kidding me harry you know what the alternative is you're learning math exactly this is i told you okay further tangent and harry potter explain to me why potions is hard it's like chemistry no it's like cooking i mean it's put in there potions in harry potter is i mean maybe this is because of snape being the worst but it's put in there as like one of the hardest oh uh, yeah, yeah 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 i get what you're saying now but in these classes they're not making up new potions right they're just making <laughs> other potions they're following a recipe there's a list right. that you do I've never understood this, and this is wildly off topic, and we shouldn't talk about it right now, but I don't get it. Okay, so I'm I'm 100% with you now that you mentioned that about Harry Potter. It's just following a recipe. Why do they even need to learn it? But I think we need to get back to the point. Even if the pure was going to come murder me for talking to my dog, I would do it 100%. And I would do nothing else, and I would just be like, what's up, Scruffy? How are we doing today? pretty good thanks for telling me about that guy who came up earlier i appreciate that my dude and i know somebody's i can hear somebody saying like you can already talk to your dog you like train it to do commands and stuff no no no. this is different this you can like understand your dog's mind that's very different from just being like sit stay that's so cool that was honestly of all the like magic we've seen so far that was the coolest that i've seen in my opinion. Okay. Sure. Okay. This this actually, it kind of changes my mind from the other point that I was going to bring up, which is, so in this book, we see all the, or the, the Empire of Minicar, I guess, and the Pure, all explaining why sorcery was kind of quashed and it's coming back. And I think it's, Tell me if you agree with this, but it's set up in a way that I think the pure have almost overplayed their hand and sorcery now looks like the good guys, right? Don't you think so? Mm -hmm. Well, because they've just like replaced the old corrupt empire with a new corrupt empire. Right. My point was going to be that are we sure that bringing back sorcery is a good idea? But... (laughs) Now that you mentioned that you can talk to your dog and do cool things like bird fireworks, um, I might be changing my tune because, okay, so first off, I know it's a story, but the guy paints this picture, the mendicant, I think, paints this picture of this empire where the sorcerers that are ruling are basically just feeding off of people and people are basically like cattle. Yeah. Right. And now apparently everything is way better because <laughs> that's not happening. I mean, granted, there's still people in villages that like are super poor that and beat stuff, their children. They're not getting eaten. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I just think there's, there's a point to be made for stopping sorcery because so, okay. First mention of the Crimson Queen, right? She's bringing back sorcery. And I'm sure she has noble intentions and I'm sure bring back sorcery will be awesome for a while, but there's going to be somebody that ruins it. You know? Yeah. There's going to be a group of people eventually that once sorcery is brought back, they just ruin everything. Okay. So in stories like this, and I think in this one, it's important to, I feel like part of the argument for getting rid of all sorcery is it's like it's equalizing people because in a world where there's sorcery, the sorcerers are way more powerful than every other person. And that's unfair. And so it leads to this case where the sorcerers can dominate pretty much everything like we saw happen. And so that's like the argument of the pure that the pure are like, they don't have really any powers aside from quashing sorcery like that i mean they're good fighters and everything they've been trained to be good warriors but their power is just to get rid of sorcerers 
my problem with this argument is that like some people are way smarter than everyone else some people are born geniuses and they're gonna do crazy things like they could take advantage of everybody and like do all this other stuff but we don't like go out and murder every genius that comes about because they're so powerful and so this quest for like equality among everyone leads to this just really boring boring you can't have bird fireworks just because you want everybody to be equal are you kidding me let them do magic okay so i guess what your point is is that well okay first off my point is that if you bring back sorcery for the time being it's it's it'll it would probably be fine because the people that bring it back have these i guess these good intentions and you know no one's gonna they have these rules and norms and stuff that no one's gonna misuse sorcery your argument is that even without sorcery we have people that gain power and are powerful just through other means and can violate those norms that are like set up by the government like even without look at the current emperor right now right yeah yeah. he's like dealing in slaves and yeah he doesn't have sorcery but he also wields a lot of power and that just because he is like born into or where however he got his power and like there are people that are born that are naturally good fighters as well and they have a lot of power because they're naturally good fighters like all the people in the pure are they're not sorcerers but they're basically sorcerers in the fact that they are very powerful it's just their power comes from somewhere else and so it's like let him do magic because it's cool (laughs) yeah yeah okay i think there's one person that kind of makes this point where there's good and bad people in general so you're going to have good and bad sorcerers i think you can make the point in reverse where there's good and bad sorcerers but there's also good and bad people so like if the emperor was wanted to he could order anyone under five feet tall murdered if he wanted to (laughs) or anyone who he thinks is doing magic which he's already done right yeah okay fair point fair point i'm on board with sorcery now i'm I'm you had already convinced me before i brought up that point but i just want to get on board now okay let's move well i'm going to kind of stay on the topic of sorceries this is i think kind of interesting because the way well first off this magic system is very vague Mm mm-hmm but one thing that is mentioned is, I forget the, the sorcerer's name that's with Kaelin. I forget, I don't remember his name exactly, but he says something where he's testing his magic against this old ancient city. And he says, like, let's see how this, how the new magic we're creating compares to the old magic, which I think is super interesting because in this, you can, you can create new magic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's not a set from it that you're discovering like in a lot of other books, I think. In this, I guess, I mean, we'll learn more about it, obviously, I'm assuming, but it seems like you can create whatever type of magic you have or you want to. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm sure it's way harder than that, but you don't have to follow the same things that everyone else has. Well, but but I think it's all related, right? Because he gets that, he finds that scroll... And he's like, nice, now I can cast some cool spells. Um, because it's all related to the void, but it's how you like channel it, I guess, is what they're saying. Um, which, the thing I didn't understand is, so, Keelan, where's he, we're going with Keelan, right? Keelan, yeah. Keelan is able to sense that the spiders are coming, and he's not trained at all. Wouldn't the trained sorcerer, I I will say we don't know how it works exactly, but you'd think the trained sorcerer would also be able to reach out and feel where the spiders are because he's got, like, training in the magic? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, one thing is when that happens, I don't don't remember if, I think Keelan actually does his little, like, put his hand down searching thing. Uh, so my guess is that 
the sorcerer could have done that if he had thought to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then again, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's just different like specialties. Like Keelan is super good at. Well, and it's also mentioned that Keelan is like a prodigy, almost, right? Like he's supposed to be a super powerful. Or he has a ton of natural ability that they haven't seen in a while. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's definitely true. Um, while we're talking about the spiders, just briefly, they keep they refer to the Shan people as spider eaters in like a pretty derogatory way, it sounds like. Uh, sounds like it probably would have come in handy this time. Yeah, it sounds pretty badass, honestly. <laughs> Maybe don't knock it, especially after you almost got devoured by spiders. I mean, I will say there's there's that statistic that, like, everyone eats, like, two spiders in their sleep. No, I think that's bullshit. I don't think that's real. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, know. I don't think it's real. Did, how did they even get... Oh, that's such... I don't... That's bullshit. But maybe. Maybe... Well, okay. Maybe this is true in this world, the, the two spiders a night thing, or whatever it is. And the Shan... I, they're called the Shan, right? Yep are eating so many spiders that they're throwing the average off so you're saying you're saying most people eat zero the median number of spiders eaten zero but the the average the shan people are eating like a spider a night in their sleep in their sleep they live in a very spider infested territory or maybe the spiders where they live are really attracted to their mouths could be an option could be so you're saying you're saying they refer to them with this derogatory it sounds like a slur of spider eater because they're throwing off the average number of spiders people eat in a night right it's annoying isn't it it's like having to hear about maybe i'll eat a spider tonight but really it's just because the shan are eating spiders constantly (laughs) this is not i would i would (laughs) refer to them derogatorily (laughs) This is nothing, Luke. This is... <laughs> this... We need to... This is the first one we need to crumple up and throw away, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I didn't feel good about it. All right, something we don't need to throw away, though. <laughs> um, How annoying would riding a horse on the black road be? Oh, because it's super loud, you mean? <laughs> They describe it as somebody beating iron into a shape when your horses are riding on the road. And there's like six of them all riding on the road with their horses. After like two minutes, you'd be like, I just can't do this anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And then like you couldn't just ride like right next to the road. Like I'm sure there's the trees like bend away from the black road. Maybe they grow right up next to it, but there's got to be like a little single file path you could take. Well, but I mean, you have to think about the the ease that the black road provides. Like, sure, it's super loud, but riding on a paved road, you're going to go way faster and you don't have risk of injury probably as much. Yeah, I th- I think I think it's worth it. Do you think they have earplugs or something? I mean, they do have a sorcerer. One of the great uses of sorcery that we talked about earlier. You've got talking to dogs, you've got bird fireworks, and earplugs. What a boring fantasy story that we would create, Luke. But it would be delightful. It would be delightful. It would be a treat. Um, uh, So the next question that I have with this road is, do you think that the sorcerers made it were just trolling everybody? Like they could have made it so it didn't it didn't sound like hammering on iron every time you rode down the road cuz it's magic. Right, like they could have put in a little cushion. Yeah, but like you know how uh tracks are? Yes. When you run tra- you rent track. Yes. A little cushion in there? Uh-huh. You could take a nap on there. But no. They decided to make it like they decided, "Hey, if anybody's riding a horse on this, Maybe up the volume times 10. Maybe give that well, here, a... Here, here we go. I know why they did this. No one's sneaking up on them on this road. Oh, yeah. Because this this city, right, is pretty mm-hmm. 
hidden away in the woods. They want to make sure no army's coming up on them. I mean, sure, people can sneak through the woods, but it's going to be way harder. My problem with that, Luke, is if they could build this road as dope as it is, who are they scared sneaking up on them? Who are they scared of? Okay, that's fair. Nobody, Luke. Also, the people who are currently riding this road are trying to be sneaky and get away from the pure who's hunting them. He can hear them. He's like, they they ride away, and he's like, oh, shoot, I don't know how I'm going to find them. And then he hears them like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> he's like, that's oh. how he finds them. Yeah. Oh, there they are. He doesn't even need to follow them. He can just listen where they're going. Oh, they're over there. I'll get them later. <laughs> okay, valid point. Very valid point. Um, um, also, you have to think of, like, the merchant caravans and everybody, like, when this was actually in use, who would choose to go on this road? Nobody is going to say, yeah, I want to go on the loud road, the road that sounds really bad all the time. <laughs> they didn't think it through, okay, Dan? <laughs> it's a really good road, minus one thing. <laughs> right, that's the thing, is it sounds incredible, except that it's, it's great. It's it so... lasted for thousands of years, but it's just so loud. <laughs> Right, when you compare it to like just a like a stone, like a cobblestone road, it's like it's like you know that quote. I don't remember what it's from, but it's like, oh, I think it's I think it's uh, what's it called? What's the dinosaur movie? Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's Jurassic Park. When the, the, the scientists got so caught up on whether or not they could, they didn't think about if they should. Ah, yes. They thought, can we make a road so loud no one wants to use it? And then they did. No, that's, no, they were thinking about making a super nice road, but they didn't think, I, this is collapsing. <laughs> Why are we talking about a road for so long? This is stupid, Dan. This is on you. All right. All right. We've been a little antagonistic this episode. Let's Let's tone it down a little bit. Um, okay. So really quick, I don't have much many notes on the other things that happen, but I think we can talk about them a little bit. So, so first off they get, they, we talked about it being kind of a Dungeons and Dragons thing, but they go into this, uh, I think it's like a temple or something where they, or they think it's a temple and they find those, a bunch of treasure and a spell, I guess, or they, what they think is probably some some kind of magic that has been lost for the ages and then like a million giant spiders come out and i don't they don't do a great job of fighting them because like okay you can't do a great job of fighting them really right but why is everyone using bows and knives as opposed to i mean i assume they have swords I don't think the knife has a sword. Mm. What's her name? Her name's like Nal? Nell? Something like that. Uh, because in the last chapter, the last chapter we read ends with her saying, I should probably figure out how to use a sword. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. So I don't think she has a sword. The sorcerer does like some cool spells that seem to be pretty effective. The rangers we don't see fighting at all. The, yeah. My my thing with this scene is it sounds like they kill about 10 spiders. And it sounds like there are like 10,000 spiders that come pouring out of the holes in the wall. But they're not retreating. They're not running back to the exit that they came from. They're like standing and fighting. It's like, guys, let's do some math here. If that took you like <laughs> mm, 10 minutes and you killed 10 spiders, you're going to be in there for a long time and i will say that the pure comes in and just destroys these things and i couldn't tell if he was actually using his i don't know pure powers whatever they are or if he was just basically really good with a sword but he kills like a thousand spiders Right, Which, wow, he, good for him. He kills so many spiders that the spiders are like, "Fuck this!" Like, I'm out of here. If you convince a spider to do that, 
these aren't like these aren't reasoning things these aren't rational creatures these are just like i'm hungry i want to eat they're an insect well okay they're not an insect but these are if you convince them to retreat you gotta be pretty badass yeah you gotta hand it to the pierre at least this one he's great this one yeah 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 that's a good point but so they get they get out of there and then they go to uh they travel to some city i don't know and i don't think it's that eventful there is it uh no they play like their equivalent of chess right right uh and then on the other side of things well well, one thing we didn't talk about is much about the immortals Mm -hmm. so jan and aliana are two immortals and we also hear about not much about I forget his name. The, they uh, the undying one is one of the ways yeah. that they refer to him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really write that much down about them. Yeah, but I mean, the undying one is just like meditating in the middle of a mountain for it sounds like a very long time. Uh, aside from that, I mean, it sounds like they're they're no longer immortal. Maybe. Oh yeah, this is this is kind of close on to where we stopped. Uh-huh. I think she Aliana like points at a wrinkle or something. <laughs> Which is like, dude, uh, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but, this is something I thought about too. At one point Jan after his wife dies and the miller comes up and starts chatting with him, the miller just casually mentioned that he he doesn't look any different after 20 years and that's like all they say about it but if i knew somebody for 20 years and they didn't look any different from the first time i met them i would probably notice and i would probably start to think it was very weird especially after the first 10 years if 10 years went by and it was like ah luke luke you look like you did when when you were 20 That's a little odd. I'm not going to say anything yet. And then five more years go by. It's like, Luke, you should look like you're 30, right? 35, maybe pushing 40 right now. I'm not going to say anything. But if you're, if your number year that I guess you are is 45 and you look like you're 25, something is very wrong. And I'm going to bring it up to you. I'm not just going to be like, oh, you look great for your age. I'm going to be like, what are you doing? Because I need it. <laughs> right. You're asking for advice. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, maybe he keeps himself super secluded and people are pretty uncomfortable talking to him. I, I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like he's pretty friendly with this Miller guy. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an explanation for you. I don't Because you're right. I think I think that would be... You would think you would at least bring it up. Well, okay, to be fair, he does bring it up. Yeah, but in such just, a minor just, way. In such a yeah. like, oh, you look the same as the day I met you 20 years ago. And you look literally the exact same. Huh. Funny how that is. Meanwhile, I look like shit over here. <laughs> and everybody around me also looks like they just, it went downhill for everybody except you. Yeah, and I mean, they're already, they were already pretty jealous of him. Because he... Oh, yeah. I guess is the one that gets this girl that everyone loved. Just, I guess, I guess, man, you know, you know how in people, whenever they're, I don't know, someone in like high school or something gets is way more popular than them or something like that, which is kind of what this is like. Yeah. And then they're like, yeah, but in 20 years, I'm going to be his boss or in 20 years, he's going to be fat or fat and balding, man. This guy gets the girl and everyone probably is thinking that. And then he just looks fantastic after 20 years. And everyone else is fat and balding. And it's like, damn. Brutal. There's no justice. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we've covered, I mean, I guess we've covered the first third of the book and got, you know, a decent amount of things set up. We still don't know who... It's the bad guy. I mean, I guess maybe Aliana is the bad guy. I don't know, though. I kind of think that the bad guy to me seems much more nebulous. Like, it seems much more like like in um, Elantris, how the 
Fjordell Empire was kind of a bad guy, but at the same time, like, the Fjordell Priest was kind of good. He was just, like, in it the wrong reasons. I get a lot of vibes of this pure paladin that we met that came in and helped them. Very similar to the Fjordell Priest in Elantris. Like, he's a part of this empire that's, like, sounds pretty shitty. But he himself is, like, pretty good. And so it's this, like, weird, like, you don't like the pure, but, like, this guy's cool. I don't know. I'm just getting a lot of, like, Fjordell Priest vibes from this pure guy. Sure, sure. And I guess, I don't know if we will or not, but I guess we'll probably learn a lot more about uh, Dimeria, I think, which is where the Crimson Queen lives. Mm-hmm. And because that place seems pretty cool. And I'm, I feel like that's the place that we're going to be, is going to be like the good guys in this case. I mean, granted, maybe it's not a good guy, bad guy story, but I guess we'll 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 start learning more in the next sections. Yeah. So we'll be reading the next third i guess for the next episode um hopefully we find out i mean there's going to be a lot more exposition we still don't know a lot about the story um but what we do know is we're going to have hot takes and we're going to be dumb nerds <laughs> <laughs>